Hello friends, so excited to tell you about the new Trade Show University YouTube channel where we have five minute pro tips, we've got longer training episodes, we've got expert interviews, and so much more coming up. Many of these video versions of the podcast episodes that you've enjoyed, plus there's videos there of content that is not available on our podcast, so please go to YouTube, search for Trade Show University, hit subscribe, And binge on those videos, which which I have designed to help businesses get more leads, more sales, and more profits through the power of trade shows. So go find Trade Show University on YouTube and tell a friend. You are about to hear the valuable lessons learned in my interview with a trade show producer who made that shift to his first virtual show, virtual event, the lessons learned, what he's going, what he takes away and how you can benefit from his, his pain, his lessons that he went through and what he's going to do different next time. You're going to want to grab a notebook. So let's do it. Welcome to Trade Show University, the ultimate resource for marketers, planners, and business owners looking to create results, increase revenue, and maximize their ROI for upcoming trade shows. We'll help you navigate the complexities of trade shows, set the right goals, find true success, and get the most out of each experience for you and your team. It's time to get your PhD in ROI with your host, the man with over 25 years of trade show experience, Jim Cermak. Welcome to Trade Show University, all you warriors out there who keep fighting and keep trying to figure out how do we do these virtual events now, how do we get back to live events, all the things that we are dealing with as an industry. I am so glad you are here. Hey, it's Jim Cermak, your host, and uh, just really glad that you're here, and uh, there's going to be a lot of lot of great takeaways from today's episode as I talk with Jason Scott from JCS Marketing. He is a trade show producer, has produced dozens of smaller trade shows, regional trade shows, and he made that shift and had his first virtual event. And we're going to talk about everything that he learned, what he's going to do differently up front, the benefits the, the disadvantages, all of it comes out. You're going to love it. Grab a notebook. But before we get started, let's hear from today's sponsor. Virtual events are here to stay. But for those who've experienced them, you know they leave a lot to be desired. You know what? It's time to change that. And the Virtual Events Institute is leading the way. The Virtual Events Institute is a global platform created to bring the community together to inspire, discuss, and learn how to produce exceptional virtual and hybrid events. Through summits, training, and market insight, the Virtual Events Institute will help create the next generation of event professionals, and they have the most comprehensive certification program available. You've got to check it out. And we're going to make it so much easier for you because they are offering an exclusive to Trade Show University listeners. You get 10% off their VEI certification program, which will provide you with the key skills and knowledge to deliver and produce virtual and hybrid events. So use offer code VP02, that's V as in virtual, P as in program, 02, and visit virtualeventsinstitute.com. The Virtual Events Institute is here to help you connect, learn, and transform. So, Jason, welcome to Trade Show University. Say hello to all our trade show warriors out there. Hi, everybody. 
Jason, I am really excited to talk to you today because you're in a unique position. You have, you are a, a trade show organizer and producer, have been doing it for, for years and have made that transition, like, uh, like a lot of your peers have made that transition over to virtual events. So, and I know you, you've already had some virtual events and uh, you've got a lot of stories to tell. So, uh, so I want yes, to, that's why I want to dive into what have you, what have you learned? And so let, let's start with, uh, give us a little bit of background of what you've done in the past. Some Describe some of the shows that you've done in the past first. So the audience has an idea of, of who you are. Yeah, Jim. So uh, I've had a special niche most of my career in agriculture, particularly California agriculture. Um, California has uh, one of the best uh, richest soils on the planet. And uh, we have a lot of agriculture going on in California. And so I've really niched my business in to um, helping growers and uh, consultants in agriculture with trade shows, publications, so on and so forth. So the name of my company is JCS Marketing and, and that's what we niche in. We really specialize on the West Coast agriculture matters for uh, special types of farming, uh, specialty crops like almonds, walnuts, pistachios, grapes, um, citrus, so on and so forth. Um, but we have, we have really niched out on, um, I've built a reputation on having these, what I call traditional half day mini conferences, um, which have been live events. And I have been doing agriculture trade shows my whole life. And then I niched out, uh, over a decade ago and started putting these, uh, putting these events on myself. And we started out from a very humble beginning. My first trade show, we had 40 people show up, a whopping 40 people. We planned for 300. Wow. I had 40 people. And I tell that story to a lot of my new customers because what I didn't know while that felt like the sky was falling and that <laughs> I was not meant to ever do my own trade show it set the tone for and the benchmark for my career because I have so many lessons that I derived from that very first live event. And um, so I feel the same way about my first virtual event. Um, we, it was so successful in so many realms and there were so many opportunities for improvement on the other hand. So I almost feel like I got kind of a kind of uh, got to do a redo on the virtual platform, which I'm excited to share some of those details with you today. But that's really about me. We publish magazines, podcasts, videos, uh, newsletters. We're, a, we're kind of a, um, I guess, full service media company that does uh, deploys a bunch of different opportunities for farmers to gain information about their, their specialty crops and, and the crops they're farming. So you made that leap into virtually said, uh, you know, you've a lot of lessons learned. So give us a, give us an idea of uh, what, like the, the main, the main thing that you learned going in uh, that kind of took you by surprise a little bit or, or go looking back what you would have done differently. What, what would that main thing? Well, I think honestly, I think the thing I want to say to all those out there that are considering putting on your own virtual conference, um, I would say that you're only as good as your platform administrator. So picking the right, the person to collaborate is key. 
Um, and I, I think with, with saying that, Jim, um, I would highly, highly encourage anybody who's going to take on uh, a, col a collaborator and, and invest in a platform and, and rent some sort of software component to have a live trade show and, and webinar platform. I would encourage anybody who's going to do that to demand to be able to walk through from start to finish, whether it's a day or three days, I would demand from whoever the platform administrator is that you get, uh, even if you have to pay for a ticket, that you get to attend another event that they're hosting for another company and you watch it from start to finish. You see what their trade show floor looks like. You see what uh, how they handle IT issues. You see how they handle the various components that come up and the challenges that come up through an event because, um, what I've learned about a virtual event and it goes for a live event. There's no such thing as a perfect event. Yeah. Each yeah. event has its fair share of struggles and they're always unique, but being able to walk through um, an event from start to finish, you get a really good idea of how well the platform handles customer service, what their strengths are, what their challenges are, what the competitive advantages they're going to allow your organization to have um, by using their platform. So, you know, the, all these guys like to do these demos. No, 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 no. You want to see an actual event from an actual customer from start to finish. That's an excellent point. Uh, demo, they're going to show you the best of the best. They're yeah. on their best behavior, right? That's right. That's right. And, and, and by seeing an, an event go live and and uh, so you could see all the different components and how they run is really where you want to see things that you where you say oh i can improve on that you don't want to you don't want to be going through it yourself and learning these lessons <laughs> unfortunately right. with, when you're going virtual a lot of times uh you're not going to learn until you you go through it yourself but you make such an excellent point of doing your due diligence and taking the time to go through, especially anyone who's never done one before. And this is a brand new, whole brand new frontier uh, for you to to venture out into how important it is to, uh, to do, again, do your due diligence, go through that entire real live event. So you could see how things are run, not just a demo, not just the software, but you could see how people are interacting and how the how the different uh, uh, components are working and functioning in concert with each other uh, and uh, and how it's going to affect and, and plug in your own audience into that as well. Wow, this, this is a great point. It may seem like a time sucker and for somebody, you know, a busy executive like me, it definitely, it definitely, if you were to tell me that right out of the gate, I would have been like, oh my goodness. But, uh, you know, I liken it to every, um, every business professional has a mentor and what does your mentor always tell you? You can learn from my mistake or you can learn the hard way. Right. And so yeah. for me, I'd rather uh, in hindsight, I've, if I could go back and do it again, I would have gone to look through and vetted um, the platform administrator before hiring them. Yeah, they're a great point. 
I know, and you know, and, and, and anyone who's listening to this, you've been through trade shows before, and many of you have planned either your own show or at least as an exhibitor you've planned. Planning is such a huge part of it. Jason, uh, going, thinking about this virtual event, how is the planning process different than uh, a live event? Yeah, so uh, great question. I think I think the the next big point I want to make to you, Jim, is 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 when we've when we put a live event together, it's all dictated on, you know, if I if I invest in this sponsorship, where am I going to be placed at the trade show? What kind of signage do I get? Um, how many people are going to be there? Um, you know, where, how far is the trade show floor from the speakers, right? There's, there's all these variables when you're at a virtual trade show and you're putting on a virtual trade show, some of those things apply, but others don't. And I think what I learned very quick and what's been very um, useful and valuable to me is the concept, uh, when I was explaining a virtual trade show to, uh, my father, who also is a marketing professional, I was telling him all the um, great promotionals we were including. And I do have some advantages that I realize maybe some other publishers or, or organizers don't because I'm a publisher, right? But we sold a lot of uh, what what um, my dad called is the sizzle, not the steak. And so let me explain that, right? So if you buy a sponsorship, you get uh, you get to have a full page ad in our magazine and you get to have an email blast to all the people that have pre-registered prior to the show or after the show. Um, you know, a lot of these ideas uh, I did still steal fair and square from uh, past uh, podcasts that you had put on, Jim. You know, we had a T-shirt <laughs> sponsor, which I think was a great idea. Nice. Um, you know, we, we consume lots of coffee in agriculture. <laughs> um, and so we, we even had a sponsor who, you know, a sponsorship available for somebody who wanted to pass out Starbucks cards so people could still have a cup of coffee. Nice. Right. So just, I, I think, I think planning out per additional added value promotions is the key, right? Because when we look at this, um, it is much different from a live event and we have to own the fact that our promotions need to be different. Absolutely. That's an excellent point there. It is the sizzle. It is the sizzle that's going to get the attention of of your uh, potential sponsors, your potential exhibitors, and your potential attendees. Why should they Why should they do this? They're stuck in their house anyway. <laughs> As a virtual attendee or a virtual exhibitor, they're stuck in their house anywhere, their home office or wherever they are at. And they could be doing a million different things. And there's a million different things going on, which, which separates uh, a virtual event from a live event where you are immersed in the event when you're at a live event. So, so how, how you draw those people in and how you really uh, entice them to want to attend and, uh, and get the more eyeballs on the, on the booths and on the, the branding and uh, the messaging of your sponsors is so, so critical. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now at, at your, at your events. So it, does it have a, uh, a component where you have maybe workshops and seminars and then also uh, exhibitors being able to uh, uh, kind of like a show hall. Explain explain how your your event goes. 
Yeah. So I, I'm, my events are kind of what I call a two prong approach, right? We have uh, just like a lot of other conferences, um, we have speakers and then we have a trade show floor. And um, probably one of the toughest concepts when we're talking about a virtual trade show. And for, from my perspective, um, when you're putting that together, uh, you want to think about a few critical things. And one of those critical things is one, being able to have a balance, right? And I think when it comes to a virtual conference, less is more. Um, let me give you an example. One of the things I learned, the first conference right out of the gate was a full two-day conference that we put on. Um, it's the one two-day conference a year that I have. I mentioned earlier, most of our events are half-day events. So with this two-day event, what I did was, is instead of going two full days, I did two half days. So I, I had, uh, I used to coach soccer, right? And, and I used to say, right idea, right? Wrong execution. And I did that. I did that with my first conference, right? We, we thought that short, we thought that going half a day was going to take the burn off. But in hindsight, if I were going to do it again, I probably would have done it for maybe a week and only two hours a day of some sort oh, and extended okay. the time frame and shortened the amount of time that you're sitting through seminars. And the reason why is, is when you're, when you're at home, you've mentioned in past podcast, Jim, you know, the, there's a lot more distractions. It's a lot easier to walk away. Um, one of the incentives we give is uh, our attendees um, often are required to have, we offer continued education. Um, through various uh, associations and, uh, ca you know, California um, departments uh, that require uh, continued educations for renewal of, or, of licensure. So um, that is a major, for us, that's a major benefit. But being able to dedicate enough time for the continued education and then giving your sponsors and exhibitors the quality time that they've deserved and they've invested in is kind of a juggling act when you're when you're shortening the window of, of conference time so it's a it's a real juggling act the other thing i will say about this is again um service you, you really want to think about service one of the mistakes that we made is that we under anticipated the amount of service we were going to need to give our attendees and our exhibitors. So another uh, piece of advice I would give anybody looking at doing their own virtual is to, to overstaff for um, being able to have a 1-800 number you know, somebody wants to talk to somebody, particularly in my industry, right? We want to get on the phone and we want to, we want to be able to talk to somebody. So having an 800 number, um, a lot of these platforms say, oh, we'll give you a, an email address. No, when you, <laughs> when you've got real people with real problems, want to talk to real people to help those problems get solved. And so um, you want to have an 800 number. You want to have plenty of people on staff to uh, take those phone calls and not only for the attendee, people that specialize in helping attendees navigate through those virtual challenges, but then also having a team that focuses on your sponsors and exhibitors. Seems like a simple thing, but 
um, until you dive deep into the belly, you just don't know, you know, like I said before, each conference has its own unique problems. So being able to have a team dedicated to both of those groups will make a big difference in your virtual outcome. I can definitely understand that, you know, when you're in a live event and something goes wrong or you, you need something, you need to talk to somebody, you, they're, all, they're all right there. You might have to go find them, but they're there. But in, a, in the virtual world, this is all brand new. And, and if you have a question, a lot of times it's not real obvious as to how do I get my answer? Who do I talk to? So being well-staffed and having everyone that is, uh, that is staffed to have a purpose and have a focus is, is a great, great tip that you gave there. So I, wow, that is uh, for, for everyone that's listening, make sure you are over-delivering, that you are, are even more well-staffed than, than you even think you might need to be uh, because things are going to come up that have never come up before <laughs> and that are second nature in a live event that uh, now are not second, not so second nature. And so great, great tip there. Jim, it, if I could add, especially yeah. if it's your first, especially if it's your first event, take what you think you need, double it. I know it's going to cost a little bit more money, but at the same time, you just, you don't know because it's your first time, you're, you're not going to know what you're going to need until you're there and you will be glad you, you made that extra investment. Uh, definitely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I'll, I want to say too is, is, is as promoters, we tend to put our heads in the sand because we're dealing with the ins and outs of the, the conference and the trade show, and we assume that things are obvious, right, to your attendee or to your exhibitor because we have been touching them over and over and over again. But then when they get it, they're looking at it for the first time and they're like, well, how does this work? What does this button do? Can I do this? Can, you know, I, I, do you have this feature, right? And so um, being able to have those people answer those questions and help them in a timely manner we, will make a huge difference in the success of your overall performance for the conference. Absolutely. The, one, of the, one of the key things is it's a phrase that, uh, that has come up that uh, was mentioned to me, and uh, you and I were talking about this beforehand uh, on a recent podcast episode, R.D. Whitney, who's uh, one of the co-founders of the Virtual Events Institute, he said, we need to transform, not translate. And that's what he says, what, one of the main mistakes he sees a lot of uh, trade show producers and exhibitors doing they that they are translating they're saying well this is our booth or this is what the show looked like and we have to do that again because that's what people are used to and it doesn't translate very well to the virtual space because things happen things are, are so different like you said there's a lot of distractions there's uh the the technology that people aren't familiar with it's just so different so you need to transform and really figure out what is what do you want your people to take away what do you want the attendees to take away what do you want your exhibitors and your sponsors to get from this what that they leave going wow that was such a great investment for us of time and of, of our money uh, just share a quick story. I was involved in a, a virtual event recently that was, a, it's a very large or a relatively large live show each year. And it also had that two-prong approach where they had, they had all the, the, the workshops and the seminars going on. And then they had the trade show floor was I was 
manning a booth, working a booth uh, on the trade show floor. And I could see they had a counter of all the people that were in the seminars and the workshops and how many people were, you know, on the trade show floor, as it were. And, and you could see uh, when, uh, when, the, when the workshop sessions let out, all the people that, that went over, but they didn't, <laughs> but they didn't, they said they, they went over, but they, uh, you know, being able to interact with them was really, really difficult. And, and, and almost, uh, you know, by the end of the show, you saw the people, you know, I was talking with some of the other exhibitors and, and they had the same experience that they had very, very few people actually come to their, their virtual booth and interact. Uh, you know, when you at this show, there was, you know, several hundred uh, people attending, you know, five, 600 people attending the workshops. And over the course of three days, had a total of maybe 10 people actually come to your booth. Wow. So, so it, and so the, the exhibitors who actually, and the sponsors who paid for this event get left high and dry. So, yeah. so as, and that's not a good taste in our mouth you know they're there obviously you're there to you're there to serve your attendees you're there to serve the the people who are who you're serving you know there's a lot of ceus at this event as well um but the people that are actually paying for it yeah. need to be taken care of as well so yeah it's it's a it's a double-edged sword right it's walk, welcome to trade shows right it's that <laughs> that tale is all this time right you've got you've got the two masters that you're serving um i mean really good points one of the things that we did to help aid in folks coming and visiting the trade show is one we limited the amount because it was our first virtual trade show we didn't know that was a big concern of mine so we limited the amount of sponsors that were able to participate in the trade show, right? Like you had to be, um, you had to be a sponsor, and um, we had a cap on how many exhibitors. Which is the first, you know, I, I'm the type of promoter. Hey, man, if I can clear out uh, some coffee tables or a donut table and uh, put a booth in there, that's what we'll do. You know, we'll yeah, hang, sure. <laughs> we'll hang the coffee from the ceiling. You know, I mean, well, whatever we got to do, right? We'll yeah. we'll hang a table down uh, from. <laughs> we'll, we'll mount something on the wall, right? Uh, 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 so creative decorating comes in to play with the live event but but uh with the virtual event we we're really kind of wanting to make sure that people got a lot of value out of a, a virtual trade show floor and so we really limited the amount of um we had a lot of attendees so our our attendee to uh exhibitor ratio was was very um, attendee heavy. So that helped us. The other thing we did to ensure that they didn't go off and, um, you know, watch a movie or, or uh, attend to something else, go visit with family and, and leave their computer is, is we incentivize them by uh, adding educational opportunities on the trade show floor. So you could actually get CE credits on the trade show floor. And so we worked out how to do that with the associations that govern those credits. Um, so that was, those were the two things we did to ensure that our sponsors got a, a good bang for their buck, right? And made sure they got that traffic. Now, I will say, I will say one of the things, the points I want to make is I think one of the mistakes that, and I'm guilty of this, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, is that I have had 
uh, I'll call it Corona denial of missing live events, right? I have come, I, it's taken me a little while to come to this realization, but if you listen to, you know, other experts, they will echo the same thing that live events and virtual events, while there are some similar aspects are very different animals and should be treated differently. We should not as promoters try to recreate a live event at a virtual trade show. We need to, what I like to call reimagine the experience and we need to move away from uh, this traditional live event um, format to a new virtual format, which, which done right is very different from a traditional trade show. Yeah. Yeah. And and you have lived through it. And I think everyone who's listening has probably lived through uh, a version of that. Maybe it's a webinar uh, on on the simplest form and maybe it's a full, full full-blown virtual trade show or expo conference that they've been to. One thing that I know is that, you know, we're in front of a screen. I know for myself, my attention span is nowhere near where, uh, where it is if I'm sitting in a, in a workshop for an hour. Uh, did, you, did you see some of that happening as well um, as far as the timing of maybe your, your speakers and, and things like that? What did you learn from that? Yeah, we learned we learned quite a bit. I, I had I had everything from from speakers uh, in front of you know my my whole captive audience saying, "Hey, Jason, how's it going, man? When are we going on?" Right? Like they thought they were in the green room and they were live in front of everybody, in front of hundreds of of attendees, you know, having a casual conversation and joking with me, you know, who is this? Right? Like, <laughs> is this Jason? No, it's not Jason. Right? So. Um, I had everything from that to people getting disconnected. So the first thing, I'll, the first piece of advice that I that I want to share with, with your audience is really think about pre-recording whatever you can. I, I just I, oh. I think that pre-recording I think is really critical um, because when it's live you don't get second chances. But if you pre-record, if you have IT issues that can all be fixed. You can't fix that the day of the event. You just kind of go with it and wing it. In fact, I had a, I had a hour long kind of round table where one of four of the speakers could successfully get into. So me and for probably the first 30, 35 minutes, it was me and one speaker, and I wasn't supposed to be the moderator. I was the person introducing the talk. I had to on the fly moderate for 30 minutes and and fake it to make it until everybody could get back on, including the person who was supposed to be moderating this live session. (laughs) So pre-recording is key whenever possible, because, because we had, we had, just two days prior, gone through, walked through, everybody had no problems. We gave them all the notes. We gave them all the tips and tricks to have a successful seminar. And, you know, no problems. Everybody felt comfortable. Come to live event. Nobody except one person could get on, right? So you just never know what's going to happen there. The other thing that we learned is is a live event is more um theatrical right it's it's there's more um it's like 
if you go to a play, you get to hear the speaker, you get to be there in person, you're sitting live, right? There, there's different elements versus versus a um, virtual conference that's that's more like a news broadcast or more like uh, 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 should be presented more like, you know, something that you're watching a good, a good, I guess, for a lack of a better term, you know, I like to use the term segments, right? So in hindsight, I would, I would try to create more of a cinematic type of experience versus a live event that's more theatrical. And so what we're looking at doing in the future is we want to have, we want to have more of a um, shorter segments, right? So a lot of my seminars, we have hour, half an hour, uh, blocks for education. Well, I think it'd be a lot more interesting to have a 10 to 15 minute speaker speak on, uh, on a topic and then have a second speaker give this, give, uh, different thoughts on the same topic. So taking a time where one speaker would take up 30 minutes to an hour, maybe you have from one to four or one to five, even, you know, five, it would be a 50 minute session and you have five speakers that, that give a 10 minute. Now it's really quick, but because, because of, the, because of the fact that it's a virtual conference, you need that change. You need that. Um, especially for those of you that don't have your uh, own studio, right. Which is most of us, in, including yours truly being able to have different people, different um, screenshots, different angles, keeps keep, stays in line with that more cinematic approach and keeps people's interest of course having interaction is key so trying to come up with elements maybe before and after you can do a poll or you can do a q a so that you still have that live interaction which is also key right because people just don't even though you're trying to make it more interesting by changing it up you still want to have that interaction it's still very important that was probably one of the best parts of my uh, my virtual experience were those live Q and A's where people got to hear a speaker and they got to ask questions and then and then got to see the answers in real time. I think that was probably one of the most valuable valuable things. And then it's fun to see prior to a talk what people's opinion on a topic is, and then. And then ask the same question again to see if there's been any change. So I think that's really valuable for both for both the speaker, the promoter, and the attendees. Wow, just just really some, some tremendous lessons learned there. Uh, shorter as far as time and giving people a variety. And I know that whenever I'm at a, at a workshop or a keynote speech or anything like that, and it's going to go for an hour, I'm, I'm prepared for that. That's fine. Uh, but every once in a while you have that person that you just don't relate to, or you're, you're drifting off because the, you don't like their voice, you don't like whatever. But if you, if it's only 10 minutes versus an hour, okay, and the next person's coming up in a few minutes. So you, you, you could stay engaged, especially virtually when someone it's so easy for someone to tune out and walk away and then come back later where, where they would have missed. And, and you're, you're really hitting on one of the key tenets of uh, learning and learning transfer. Uh, me me uh, putting on my uh, trainer's hat uh, is that you want to get people re-engaged every 10 to 15 minutes. 
You want to get them, uh, you start, start asking questions. Otherwise it becomes a lecture and people can tune out. You know, every 10 to 15 minutes, you want to ask them some questions. You want to give them, uh, switch things up, show a short video, uh, get them uh, interacting with one another, something. And so that, that variety piece that you said is just so, so great. And I like the adding the different elements like polling. Maybe you take a, a like you said, ask them a question at the beginning of what your thoughts are on this topic. And then you then you immerse them in that topic from a couple of different angles and you you give them the same survey at the end and see how their how their perception has changed, what they have learned from that. Really, really some some powerful and great tips that you had there on uh, on uh, the variety and really hit that attention span uh, question that, that I brought up to you. Yeah, right absolutely. There. That's just fantastic stuff. Jason, you you have given us so much great value and and so much to think about, especially for those that are, that are going in for the very first time to to do one of these new events. What are one of one or two key takeaways that you want people to really take take from this episode? Um, I think I think the first and foremost is um, doing your homework. Have the right platform. Have the right help. Take your time. Um, don't, don't take on the first person that, uh, sounds, a, or the first company that sounds attractive to you, do your homework, don't rush it, uh, walk through the process with them. Um, it will be so important for your virtual event. I can't stress that enough. Um, having the right platform administrator can make or break you. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is, you know, and I know you've said this on a lot of podcasts, but I think this has really been beneficial for, for my company is be unique. You know, this is not, we cannot recreate a live event. And I know so many of us are going to try to do it. Even after you walk away from this podcast, you're still going to have to learn that lesson for <laughs> yourself. But if, you know, I, I plead with you to, to listen to, you know, the counsel of other professionals and myself, don't try to create a live event with a virtual event, be different, be bold, take chances, get creative, Right. I understand that not everybody has publications like myself and has different use your assets, use your use, you know, you're you have a following if you're putting on a virtual trade show, use those assets, be be unique, give out, you know, Jim's got all these great ideas, T-shirts, coffee mugs, wine glasses, right? Um, virtual meals. I have yet to, uh, Jim, you'll have to teach me how to do that. I, I hear that quite often. And I always, I always get scared about that one. It's like, how do I give 500 people a, vir a, a virtual lunch through Grubhub? <laughs> Holy smokes. What if it doesn't come? But, um, so I, I'd love to hear on future podcasts, somebody who successfully did that, but take those chances, you know, um, because I think at the end of the day, it's going to set you apart from the pack and um, listen, we have to create the sizzle with this stake we're calling a virtual conference or virtual trade show. Uh, so everybody plan, take the time, don't take shortcuts, do it the right way. And, and to piggyback on what you said, Jason, with this technology, the platform is so critically important. Even if you've been through a show and you're like, wow, that was really impressive and I love the way it did it, don't immediately go on that. Still take the time, do your due diligence because when you 
you're looking at it from, oh, I attended this to I am actually going to utilize this platform to put one on. How, how, they, how things run may be completely different than you ever imagined it would. So make sure you take the time, get every question answered so you know exactly how it's gonna go. And then like Jason said, be bold, be unique, do things differently. You gotta set yourself apart because think about this. And I know I've said this many times over the last uh, several months when we are talking about virtual events, how many, how many invitations to webinars and virtual conferences and virtual events have you gotten or you get every single day coming into your email box? How are you going to set, set yourself apart so that you actually do get your attendees that you want to have there on that day of your event and they're not picking somebody else's event at the, at the last minute? So you've got to do things differently and be unique and, and really grab their attention. Jason, so thank you so much for, uh, for bringing those, that great value those, and sharing these lessons learned. And I know there's still a lot more that you have to learn, but that's the thing is you take that one step, you put on that first event, and now you're learning. You're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do different next time. Here's how I'm going to learn and make it better, make it better, make it better. So everybody continue to continuously learn. Uh, so, so Jason, if people, uh, anybody who might be in the industry and they want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, well, uh, we have several websites. Our, our website that they can go to, our most popular website is our, our West Coast Net website. And that website is wcngg.com. And uh, my information is there. Uh, be happy to help. Um, you know, I learned a long time ago that if you help enough people get what they want in life, that just maybe you'll get what you want in life. And so I really try to live my life that way and, and just want to help people be successful. And I'm grateful for the opportunity, Jim, to be on your show. And, and as I said before, really, you know, admire what you're doing for our industry and appreciate you. And, uh, we need, we need all the help we can get, um, to, to move this industry forward and, and to have a good reputation for the virtual space. I think we're, you know, we're all kind of relying on each other to do a good job so that our clients will have confidence in this process. I think that's been one of the biggest challenges for, you know, a, a promoter like me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, is that we've got a lot of our uh, normal business or a lot of businesses that do a lot of business with us kind of doubling down saying, no, we're going to wait for COVID to pass. And uh, so I, we can't wait, you know, 2020 is coming and we've got to keep those funnels full for our clients so we can continue to uh, move this. Uh, what did you say, Jim, this trade show business is a, is a billion to multi-billion what was it's that a, it's, number it's, got, it's a, an ecosystem as i was described to an ecosystem that that has a one trillion dollar one trillion sorry economic yeah, under, impact globally it's a little bit of a difference oh my gosh <laughs> uh, well it, it is and it's just it's almost mind-blowing you think how could that possibly be but you know, yeah. if you think about just one of your events if you had 500 attendees coming to a regional event how many hotel, you cancel that event, how many hotel uh, nights are now gone? How many, yeah. how many meals that, and catering that are now gone? How many people that you know, uh, spent money on, on gas and on parking and on, you know, it just goes on, it's this ripple effect. 
that that just continues on that has so much impact economically and that's that's jobs and that's livelihoods and that's families and that's uh, people just being able to put food on the table uh, day after day and and really be able be able to make, create a living so it's so important as, as you've said we've got to come back from these plus not only that uh, there's so many businesses out there that rely on these shows. They're looking Absolutely. back over the last eight months and they're saying, I, I never would have guessed how much my business actually relies on, on these events. And it's not yeah. just not the exhibitors. It's, it's also the attendees get the information that they need. And it's the relationships that they've built over time, being able to see the customers that you might only see once a year or see your vendors. You only see once a year at these important shows. So really, really important to, to get back to these events, but obviously we have to do them safely. We have to do them the right way. And that's all going to be, like you said, leaning on each other and being there to help each other to learn best practices and much rather learn from somebody else's lessons than my own lessons. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and for that, I, I am so grateful that you came on here to share those, those important lessons that you have learned firsthand with everybody here today. So, so if everyone listening, all you warriors out there, please uh, continue fighting, get into the show notes. I've dropped, uh, I will drop all of uh, Jason's contact information for his various websites. And uh, if you want to drop, him a note we'll make sure we have a way for you to drop him a note as well if you have any specific questions that are pertaining from this episode today so jason thanks so much for joining today and sharing so much it's been awesome uh, catching up with you one more time and thank you Jim. I, I appreciate uh, the the trail you're blazing and for everyone thanks for listening one more time and and, uh, and continue to learn continue to grow take notes uh, learn those best practices and then get out there and try things and be bold and be unique and have fun with it uh, and listen to, gosh, there's, there's so many great episodes. Every time I interview someone else, some new nuggets come up. And, and so take the time and, and binge some of these, uh, some of these past episodes and learn and uh, shoot me, a, uh, shoot me an email, uh, Jim at tradeshowu.biz. That's Jim at tradeshow, the letter U dot B-I-Z. Let me know what you're struggling with, what you've tried, what has worked and what hasn't worked. And we'd like to uh, maybe feature some of your questions on an upcoming episode. So thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on campus at Trade Show University.